Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we'll be looking into the first part of the second chapter of Acts, verses 1 through 21. And that begins on page 1692. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language. Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my own servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. Thank you very much. Well, everybody has a birthday. Uh, for the Christian, we have two. If you're born again, right? You're born naturally when mommy gives birth to you. And then when... Papa gives birth to us when we receive Jesus, our Father, Heavenly Father, our Daddy. But some of you, probably most, are not aware today, a very significant birthday. 
This is Pentecost. Today is Pentecost, which is the beginning of the church, the church at Pentecost. That's what we're going to be learning about today, the beginning of the church. We read here in verses 1 through 4, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the first time. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people for service, but this is the first time that the Holy Spirit came to live in people, believers in Jesus Christ. So it's a significant period in history. Pentecost, or that means 50, 50, is a Jewish holiday. There's three main Jewish holidays. Um, my memory serves me well, which it doesn't. Uh, the Passover, uh, the Feast of Weeks, and also the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Pentecost happens to fall on the Feast of Weeks, which happens to fall 50 days after the Passover. That's what it means, 50 in Greek. The Feast of Weeks where the Jews were commanded, men, not necessarily the women or children, they were staying at home doing what they do best, but the men from all over the then known world were to attend these three festivals. And that's where the Holy Spirit came in those Jews that day. So again, the Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. It falls on a Sunday, which is the day after the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, which is what day? Saturday. Sabbath has always been on a Saturday, always will be on a Saturday. Don't confuse the Sabbath with the Lord's Day. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Sunday, same day that the Lord rose again from the dead. Amen. Now it says, notice that, that they were all gathered in one place. This is referring to the 12 disciples. Jesus had already ascended into heaven. He promised before he ascended up. He told those disciples, in fact, there was um, 11 of them because Jesus, Judas went and committed suicide. They had to replace Judas. They cast lots. You read that in the book of Acts, which we've already studied. It fell on Matthias, so now there were 12 apostles. All right? Jesus had many disciples, but he had 12 main apostles. And there they were in the upper room, gathered together in one place. These are the 12 apostles. And that's where believers, if you don't know already, which you do, that's where believers should be on the Sunday, not the Sabbath. On the Lord's Day, we should be gathered together, not as the manner of some is. So there should be no debate or hesitation about coming to church on Sunday. It should be automatic and top of our priority list. Amen? You know, people want to get together. You've got, you've got six other days to do it. Priority number one is to meet together. In fact, people can meet together after church, if need be. We always know that some people are going to be on vacation, which we hope to be also, soon and very soon. There's nothing wrong with that. We all need a break. Uh, people get sick. Amen? Can't control that. Things come up. But 
our main focus should be to make it our aim to be in church on Sunday. Bumped into somebody the other day, said, yeah, we'll be back to church, you know. Yeah, okay. You just take it with a pinch of salt. What do you call it? Not a pinch, what do you call it? A grain of salt. We'll be back. Why aren't you there now? And this COVID thing, people are using that as an excuse. Some people, and I've talked to the other pastors, the Lord is separating the wheat from the chaff to find out who are truly saved and committed and part of the church and those that are not. So they can use any excuse they want, and we all could. It's like that couple. She couldn't get it. You've probably heard this before. She could not get her husband out of bed Sunday morning. She wanted to go to church. You know, it was the right thing to do. She said, come on, get out of bed. It's 10 o'clock. Ah, no. And he rolls over and wakes him up. Come on, let's go. We've got to go to church. I want to go to church. You should be in church. He says, give me good reason why I should be in church. She said, you're the pastor. <laughs> Anyone heard that before? <clears throat> anyway, I'll throw in some levity after what I said. Might not go down well, but it's a fact. Now we hear from verses 2 and 3 some of these audible and visible signs of the coming of the Holy Spirit for the first time. When God gave the law to the people of Israel, to Moses on Mount Sinai, there was a loud thundering and lightning also on the day of Pentecost. There was this mighty loud noise that sounded like a violent rushing wind, similar to a hurricane. Ever been in a, near a hurricane? It sounds like, apparently, it sounds like a freight train coming through. And it came down from heaven and it filled the whole house where the disciples were and it says in verse 3 that they saw, so there's an aud the audible sound of the mighty rushing wind, and there's also the visible sound. What did uh, the visible evidence, what did they see? They saw what seems to be like tongues of fire that came and rested on them. Remember when Jesus, after he'd been baptized by immersion in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit came down on him in the form of a dove. Well, in this case... The Holy Spirit came down on the disciples in the form of, it looked like a tongue. Have you ever looked at a fire and you see the fire burning? It looks like tongues. Well, that's how it alighted on those disciples. It rested on them. This is evidence. If you looked at a good fire, you see the licks that appear to be like tongues. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Feast of Weeks, this also fulfilled the prophecy of John the Baptist who foretold that God would send the Holy Spirit, that he would come down and he would dwell on those who believe in the Lord Jesus. Let's just have a quick look at that to confirm. You just don't take my word for it. I don't know why you wouldn't, but this is what we can totally rely on, is the word of God, because it's true. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet, Jesus said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's the prophecy. It came true on the day of Pentecost. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. You're either wheat or you're chaff. You're either saved or you're not saved. But he will burn up the chaff 
with unquenchable fire. That's where unbelievers are headed. They're on the highway to hell and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Sad, very, very sad. And we know friends, relatives that are in that condition outside of Christ. Amen? So we need to tell them. We need to tell them and we need to keep on telling them and live the life so they can see the difference in us. The hope of glory. Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. So in verse 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they began to speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. You heard about people speaking in tongues. What is speaking in tongues? We're going to find out today if you don't know already. There seems to be various interpretations and what the speaking of tongues really is. But there should be no need for debate or confusion or misinterpretations because God is his own interpreter. Amen? And we should let the word of God do the teaching because he is his own interpreter. The Bible speaks for itself. But we have to take it in context in the way it was written. Otherwise, there'll be all sorts of confusion and misunderstandings. You know, just people flip through the Bible and they... You know, they think they're going to get, in. maybe they will be, maybe they won't be. They're going to get inspired. And God is telling them to do something specific. Maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. You know, that guy was flipping through. He says, and Judas went out and hung himself. I thought, oh, do I need to do that? That can't be right. Then he flipped through again. He says, go and do likewise. So you've got to be careful. You've got to take scripture in its context, you know. Don't pick things out just to bolster up your own opinions. Or, you know, perverted doctrines of man, which they do. That's why there's so many cults in this world. So what was the... The crowd came because it was so loud in this room, like a mighty rushing wind, it gathered a crowd. You know what happens when something happens? A big bang. Not the big bang theory. Like when I had my first motor accident, motorcycle accident, there must have been a huge bang. Before I know it, there was a crowd of people gathered around, staring at Jimmy and broken and, and dying on the ground. And that's what happened this day. There was such a loud noise, audible evidence of the Holy Spirit. And these people were confused. They were all Jews that came, hundreds of them. And they were confused to what was going on. They were not only confused, they were absolutely amazed because... These disciples were all speaking in their own language, not the disciples' language, they're Galileans. They were speaking in foreign languages. They were speaking in a foreign tongue, all right? They were speaking in a foreign tongue. So they all came, the noise, you know, what do they call it, rubbernecking? Is that what they call it in the States? I'm learning American as time goes by, you know. I didn't know what a rubberneck was. I thought it was the thing on a thing that quacks, you know. My wife explains things to me. Oh, they're rubbernecking. You know, you're driving down the highways an accident. Oh, God, help them, please. Yeah, look at the people. They've slowed right down. They're all rubbernecking. Come on, let's go, folks. Unless you're going to help the people, let's move on. All right? Nosy crows. So again, yeah, what is speaking in tongues? Verse 7. Let's have a look. Find it. Some new specs. These people are utterly amazed. They ask... Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it they, we can hear them speaking our own native language? 
So it's important to know what speaking in tongues is, really is. I can tell you what it isn't. It's not gobbledygook. It's not gibberish, all right? It's not a nonsensical utterance, but a clear and understandable earthly known language that was spoken back in the first century. The Apostle Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you. You know, so Paul, thank God, he had the ability, a God-given ability to speak in foreign languages. I wish Denise and I had that same ability when we went to Papua New Guinea, one of the most difficult languages on planet Earth. It took seven years to learn it. I didn't have that gift of tongues, apparently. But Paul did, and so did the apostles. All right? And Paul was an apostle too. So it's understandable how many Christians... Many Christians are confused as to what speaking in tongues is. And, you know, that's partly uh, people that are in the pulpit that are confusing the body of Christ. There's one uh, lady, she said wrongly, the evidence that, a Christ, that you are a Christian is that you speak in tongues. All right? She said that. I heard it. So I guess we're all lost then. I guess we're all lost. That's her opinion, but it's totally unbiblical. And if it's not biblical, then it's not true. All right? Be careful who you listen to. Don't believe every word they say unless they can back it up with Scripture. Amen? And then the Jews, in verse 9, they said, they heard the apostles declaring the wonderful works of God in our own language, in our own tongue. They're from all over the then known world. In other words, they were praising the apostles when they received the Holy Spirit. You remember when you received the Holy Spirit? You did what the apostles did. They were praising and worshipping Almighty God. In this case, in the language of the people that were gathered there, hundreds and hundreds of them, a language that they could clearly understand, even though these disciples were from Galilee. They received the promise from Jesus Christ that we now know to be the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the inception of the church. And we're celebrating the inception of the church today. Today is Pentecost. Now this, why did this happen? Why did all the people come? Not just rubbernecking and curious. Why were they speaking in tongues? It was a sign. The Greeks look for, search for wisdom. The Greeks, the non-Jews, they're all seeking for wisdom. But the Jews, they look for signs. Jesus provided many signs that he was the Messiah, but they still didn't believe him, did they? Many did. Many believed in him, but the majority didn't, even though he performed many, 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 many miracles, raised people from the dead, turned water into wine, walked on the water, you name it, he did it all. Oh, he's doing all that by the power of Beelzebub, the chief of demons. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, what they said, attributing the miracles to Jesus to the devil. That's unforgivable. Jesus said that's an unforgivable sin. Why did this happen? It was a sign to all those Jews from all over the then known world that had gathered there that something miraculous was happening. It had to be from God. It had to be from God. God had to make it happen, which he did. And God wanted to get their full attention and focus on Jesus. And Peter went and preached shortly thereafter. You can read it. And there were thousands saved. That was the purpose of it happening. And a lot of the Jews there who know their Old Testament knew this was a fulfillment 
of the prophecy in Joel, which Peter pointed out in this chapter. Can you remember hearing it? Do you remember reading it this morning? Joel, chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. Check it out. Those disciples couldn't help but declare the wonderful works of God. That's what we should be doing, declaring the wonderful works of God. The greatest influence you have on other people is your testimony. And if they're willing to listen, you can share how you became a Christian and what the difference that Jesus has made in your life. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's what we should be doing, declaring the wonderful works of God. Do we? Well, I'm just uh, I'm a silent witness. I'm a silent witness. Well, I'll tell you what my pastor says in England. God never made any dumb children, quote, unquote. Declare the wonderful works of God and share your faith so that they too can declare the wonderful works of God. It's only when you can be, become a believer in Jesus Christ, a true believer, that you can give glory to God and worship him. It doesn't happen outside of that. You can't do it. You know, they can go to different religions and they go through these processes and they have to pray three times a day and they have to go to Mecca at least once in their life and they have to do this and they have to do that. It's all works. It's all works. It's not of the spirit. And anything that's not of the spirit is of the flesh and God doesn't want anything to do with it. That's why people, another reason why people need to be saved, not only so they can go to heaven, is so they can give glory to God. And if they're not saved, then God is being deprived the, the worship and the praise that he deserves. Amen? Wouldn't hurt my feelings if somebody actually put their arms up one of these days and says, praise the Lord. Oh, you better not do that. They might think you're charismatic or something. Might kick them out of the church. I've seen that happen in England. Yeah, I saw it happen in the service. Very conservative church where I was saved. Denise knows sing about 12 hymns all written in the 18th century i'm not saying they're bad and then during the service this guy one of the elders puts his arms up starts praising the lord well before long he was brought before the church elders the church leadership said you can't be doing that he said why not he said, we don't do that here he says okay bye i'll go somewhere else and he did how much time you got don't you dare look at that watch I love it. Pastor Riddle, he was a bit of a rascal, if you knew him. Some of you knew Pastor Riddle. He was a bit of a rascal, you know. And if he saw someone look at his watch, I heard somebody that actually had an alarm on it. And if, he was, if somebody wasn't, the preacher wasn't done after 20 minutes, the alarm would go off. Do you know what he used to do? He'd preach another 15 minutes just to tick them off. <laughs> you know what happened? Go somewhere else. There's plenty of other places, more churches than believers probably our neck of the woods all right there was two responses here there was this amazing event that happened got the attention of the jews they were assembled that day they were totally amazed and totally confused at the same time what does this mean it's unreal what is happening what on earth is going on here some of them most of them couldn't understand what was going on they try to come up with a logical answer the people always try to come up with an answer when they don't know the true answer and the answer they came up with was, they're drunk. Look at that, they're all babbling at the same time, and they're babbling in our language. They're sloshed, they're hammered. They've been drinking too much wine. They've been on the vino. 
And that's, I don't need to remind you that getting drunk is an absolute sin, and the Bible condemns it. Getting drunk. And Peter had to explain to him and put the record straight. He said, look, people, we're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Now, maybe some alcoholics are drunk at nine in the morning, but your average, what we call a social drinker, may have a little tip of wine with their dinner or something like that, special occasions. They're not drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. It's just not logical. In fact, when you get drunk, it doesn't improve your language skills either. <laughs> I'll live to tell you another story. You want to hear it. He said, no, I've got to go back. I've got a roast in the oven. Well, you shouldn't be eating roast in this weather anyway. Back, I was a new Christian, full of the joys of the Lord, wanting to share my faith with everybody. And the pastor used to go down to the clock tower in this big city. A quarter of a million people lived in Leicester, England. We used to go down to the clock tower, the center. Friday night, the worst possible time, all the people were partying. You know, this is what they do, Friday night. So he used to go down faithfully. He must have done that for 30 years, every Friday night. And we'd give out these tracts, you know, gospel tracts, and share our faith with people. I was a new recruit. I was a greenhorn, full of the joys of the Lord. And I saw this guy who was worse for wear, sitting on the bench, you know, head in his hands, and it's kind of scruffy looking, unkempt. And he had this bottle sticking out of his pocket, you know. He was going like this, and I went over and sat next to him, and I said, how are you doing? Oh, no, incoherent, babbling. I said, you know what? I said, you need the Lord. He suddenly kind of, the Lord, he said. He was Scotsman. Who are you to tell me that I need the Lord? So he gets up, starts getting, kind of getting hairy a little more. So he starts poking me. Hi, who are you telling me that I need to... I know the Lord, he said. I know the Lord. So I'm backing up. Couldn't hit him, obviously. Backing up, I went to the back against the shop window, and he's, he's shouting. People are gathering around and watching this scene. He's very, very loud and obnoxious, and I'm just waiting to see what he was going to do. And then before I knew it, two what appeared to be hell's angels... Have I told this story before? I think I have. They came between me and this drunkard. But they were clean-looking hell's angels. They didn't have any patches either. Weird. And then the guy just backed off. And they were big. They were big guys. And I said to him, I said, well, why, why were you here? He said, oh, we were... If he tried to attack you, he said, we were going to defend you and uh, beat the living daylights out of him. So before I knew it, they disappeared. They were gone. You know, I think they might have been angels. Not hell's angels, but God's angels. So anyway, this, what we've learned about today, is the beginning of the Christian church. Over 2,000 years ago, we've certainly learned a lot, I hope, of what the gift of tongues is, how it came about, that it's the gift from God to speak in a known earthly language. And what was the result of this? because Jews always look for a sign, there were thousands of people saved. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And I'm gonna read, I'm gonna close with this, what happened. Peter gave, up, gave a speech and uh, preached. This is bashful Pete, and now he's got the Holy Spirit. He's like a lion, verse 38, same chapter. Peter replied, repent 
and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises is for you and your children, the Jews, and for all who are afar off. That includes all the Gentiles. Jesus died for everybody. For whom? Those who are afar off. For all whom the Lord, our God, will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from the corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message, because you know there's going to be so many that reject it. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. 3,000. That's the reason. Amen? It's a fact. It happened. Okay, let's close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your wonderful word. Thank you that you revealed yourself to us and we can declare the wonderful works of God. Help us to be bold like Peter was bold. We too have the Holy Spirit living within us. And you promised if we open our mouths, you will fill it. And uh, we do pray for our loved ones that are outside of Christ. Help us to be the witness that you want us to be. Help us to declare the wonderful works of God and what Jesus has done in our life. What difference he's made. And they too can have a peace that passes understanding and a home in heaven when they die. You may be listening to this message and you know you're not saved. You're not sure when you die where you're going. You hope you're going to go to heaven. You may not believe in hell, but there is such a place. And the only way that you can be saved is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Believe that he is Lord, that he died on the cross. He shed his precious blood to wash away your sins because you're a sinner. Believe in your heart that he was buried, that he rose again from the dead and call upon his name and be sincere about it and then live for Christ. Share your faith and be the testimony, the witness that Jesus wants you to be in this world so others can come to faith in him also. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.